The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Welcome to another edition of Health Kick. I'm Tim Boreham. Now, today we're talking about 3D technology, uh, which is not about watching those movies with uh, clunky glasses, which never really took off as a concept. Uh, rather, it's about making bone healing implants with 3D manufacturing techniques. Now, Osteopore is a leader in the field, and chatting with me today is Executive Director Jeff Pocock. So, uh, hi, Jeff. Hi, Tim. Firstly, though, just, just a bit about Osteopore. The company only listed on September 23 uh, this year, but it's uh, taken off like the proverbial Bondi tram uh, share price-wise because the uh, the stocks roared from the 20 cents issue price to as high as uh, $1.05. Osteopore is Perth-based, uh, but its tech originates uh, from work done in Singapore. That's correct. Yep, yep. So there's sort of a Lion City flavour about the uh, about the company. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, Jeff, yeah, I'll, I'll launch into it. Uh, what, what's so important about the 3D aspect in terms of differentiating the company from its uh, competitors? Thanks. Look, I think the main thing about the 3D printing is by being able to 3D print, it actually makes the technology work because what we're actually creating is we're creating micro-porous scaffolds which actually enable bone to regenerate through the scaffold. And you could really only do that if you had access to 3D printing that can actually create that sort of microstructure within the scaffold that's necessary to get the regenerative processes working. So the 3D printing is really important for osteopore because that's the enabling technology, so to speak, the enabling um, manufacturing approach that enables us to get the functionality that we need to get proper regenerative processes occurring. Yeah, okay. There's this sort of customization angle as well in that uh, you can mould the uh, the implants accordingly? Absolutely. So there's, there's a range of standard products that we can make, but as you say, we can also create customised products for patients where there is a more significant bone loss. So if there's been a major part of the of the skull or a, or a tibia or a collarbone or a forearm, any sort of bone, if it's a, a major piece of surgery, a major st- st- section of bone that's been um, removed, we can customise and make sure that we print exactly the right dimensions, exactly the right shape that's required to ensure that we get really good um, healing and regeneration occurring. Yeah, great. And uh, where's, all, where's all this done, uh, Jeff? Is this, is, so at the is this moment, uh, no, all the manufacturing. So at the moment, the company operates out of Singapore. The, as you mentioned, the technology was originally developed in Singapore through the, uh, a couple of the universities up there. And the company is actually operated from Singapore. It's a very, very good um place to be doing these sort of technology businesses. There's lots of support, lots of infrastructure around the company. And we have our own manufacturing facility currently in Singapore where, where all of the products are made. We are looking at uh, diversifying that. We want to have multiple manufacturing centres. Um, and because it's 3D printing, one of the great things is that it's not very expensive 
to set up new manufacturing centres. A, a single 3D printer can print all the different parts that you might need, all the different products that you might want. It could be printing standard uh, burr hole covers one day. It could be printing a major skull reconstruction the next. So the 3D printing makes it very uh, cost effective and capital effective for us to be able to broaden our manufacturing base as we need to. Yeah, sure. So it sounds like you only need a uh, printer on a lab bench rather than a, a little full-scale uh, factory production line. Yeah, look, it's not quite a lab bench, but it's not much more than that. It's a it's a clean room. You have to have a, a an environment that's dust-free. But even the sterilisation, that all gets done after the products are actually made. So you can print the product. You need to have a clean room. But again, in a medical facility, that's not very expensive. It's not a very hard thing to set up and get access to. So we set up the clean room. We set up some printers and we can off we can go. We can start manufacturing product and getting it ready to go out to customers. Yeah, okay, okay. And Jeff, I probably should have asked you this in the first place, but, but what, what sort of procedures are, are the osteopore range most uh, relevant for? In other words, what you treat, is it orthopaedic or, or spine the, or dental? I, at the moment, the, the major market that we're in is actually cranial, so it's actually head surgery. The, um, oh, the okay. Um, we have done a number of, um, of other areas as well, and we are moving into the dental space in particular, where there's a lot of real excitement about being able to regenerate vertical bone depth. So when you have um, patients who are losing teeth, a lot of the problem is actually there's not enough bone density in the jaw to actually put implants in effectively. And so the osteopore products have been shown that they can actually regenerate um, that bone density in the jaw to provide better foundations for dental implants. So that's a massive market opportunity for us that we're still going through the process of, um, of it getting full access into that market. But we're in the process of doing that and all the results to date have been very positive. And then the other big market is orthopedic and that really covers everything, your spine, chest, uh, limbs. Uh, we recently had a, a very successful case in Queensland with a, 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 a patient who had 30 centimetres of their tibia. Basically, his entire shin bone was removed due to an infection. And uh, the, the osteopore scaffold was customised for that patient. And two years later, he's now walking. And he's, you know, that's a, an amazing opportunity. And we're still going through all of these different opportunities that we have in the orthopaedic space. Yeah. Okay. So, so with the example of the of the, of the fellow with the uh, the uh, dodgy tibia, um, what sort of procedure would uh, he have undertaken otherwise? Well, that's exactly that's the, the the amazing thing about this. His his alternatives at the time of uh, the the osteopore scaffold being provided, the the other alternative for him would have been amputation. He would have been potentially losing. His, his entire lower leg, they would have been looking at amputation above the knee as an alternative. Okay, yeah. So, Not a particularly you know, good option. No, no. It's, I mean, you know, it's, a, it's a, a, an amazing thing to, to, to have met Ruben a, 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 a few weeks ago and, uh, yeah, he's there and he's walking and he's, you know, it's, it's life-changing. And, and in the, we've had other cases, of, again, in the orthopaedic space with, um, with tibias. We've had other patients with clavicles, the sort of shoulder blades or um, forearms. So there's a whole range of different surgeries that, and different procedures. And, you know, the, the alternative for some of these patients is, is really dramatically different. The outcome, rather, is very dramatically different now that this technology is available. Yeah, okay. And uh, apart, apart from the 3D manufacturing and customisation aspect, uh, your, your implants are bio 
resorbable. That's uh, correct. So that, yeah, okay. So that's uh, that's so right. unlike a titanium implant, which, which, which sort of hangs around forever, doesn't it? Your, that's right. Your implants will eventually just disappear? That's correct. So bioresorbable, that's basically it means in the body it will then decompose. So the materials, they're made out of a polymer called polycaprolactone. This is the same polymer that's used for dissolvable stitches. So it's something that's been well-known and well-tolerated by the body um, and been used in surgery for a long, long time. And so by producing these scaffolds out of the polycaprolactone, they, as you say, they bioresorb. After within about two years, that scaffold has completely absorbed into the body and just generates some carbon dioxide and water. So there's no harmful or foreign material left behind. And that has massive implications for, uh, for the complication rate associated with, um, with permanent implants. Permanent implants statistically are around a 25% complication rate. One in four permanent implants has some form of complication. It can have the, the implant can become loose. It can, you know, the, the bits that are effectively holding it in place can become weak. Um, the implant itself can actually get damaged. And also you can get an infection with their, their because you've got that interface between the, the permanent product, the, the residual material and the, the natural bone. So without any foreign material left behind, we have very, very low complication rates. And as such, the products give a much, much better therapeutic outcome for the patient. Yeah, okay. And in terms of this uh, superior therapeutic outcome, what, what's your proof to date uh, that, that, that your implants do a, uh, a superior job? Well, the, uh, the, no, how, how, is it, how is it clinically proved? Well, we, the... The osteopore products have been used over 20,000 times. And at the moment, we have you know, uh, virtually no complications. We have had a couple of cases where there have been complications, um, but it is literally a couple. You know, we're talking single-digit numbers of complications, over 20,000 implants. So we really have got a very, very significant catalogue and a very, very significant data pack around the, the therapeutic outcome that can be delivered using these products. Yeah, okay, okay. And, and who do you have to sell the message to? The uh, orthopedic uh, surgeons, I, I presume? Yeah, look, it's really a case of at the moment, you know, the, the surgeons that we are dealing with, they love the product, they love the technology and what it can do. And for us now, you know, now that we've completed the IPO, we've got capital in the bank, you know, our, our job now is to go out and really drive that business development. So, you know, unlike a lot of companies, and I've been involved in technology companies on ASX for a long time, um, it's pretty rare to find one that's like Osteopore, where we've already got revenue streams, but we can now have the opportunity to go and build more significant revenue streams. We've already got FDA clearance. We've already got CE mark clearance in Europe. But now the, 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 the goal for us is to go out and get the distributors, get the market acceptance of our products into those really lucrative and large markets in the European Union and, um, and the US. Yeah, they're obviously, they're obviously big markets, uh, but both of the, those Absolutely. Uh, geographies. Absolutely. They're, they're huge markets. I mean, we're doing about a million dollars a year in sales um, of, the, of the products at the moment, but that's really coming out of some really sort of targeted Asian markets, Korea, Vietnam, and Singaporean market as well. So there's a lot of room for growth in that space as well, but the European and the US markets would just dwarf those sort of numbers. So they're the, they're the really big opportunities for us to go and execute into. Yeah, they're, they're big markets, but I presume you've got a you know, minute share at the moment of the addressable market. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've got we've got virtually no sales in those markets at the moment. You know, the company hasn't sure. really had the had the 
the, the capital and the resources to really go and address those markets effectively. So that's the challenge for us. That's the goal for us using the IPO funds is to go out and actually get real effective market penetration into those lucrative markets and at the same time continue to build the products and build the technology to make sure that we're always ahead of the game and that we've got more um, more therapeutic areas to come into, potentially new polymers and other things that we can look at as well that would actually boost the uh, boost the technology and provide even better outcomes for patients. Yeah, okay. And what's sort of the size of the addressable markets? Well, look, the, the, the bone, what we call the bone graft substitute market is around about four or $5 billion a year. So it's a massive opportunity even in that space alone. And then you start getting outside of that, then you start looking at potentially moving into, you know, one of the permanent implant markets and things of that sort. So, yeah, the market opportunities are in the billions of dollars a year of potential opportunity for us. And we're, as you say, we're just scratching the surface with a million dollars a year of revenue. We've got a lot of room to grow in these markets just on the back of the technology as it is today. Yeah, okay. And, and if you have to uh, sort, of, sort of pitch your implants as being uh, uh, cheaper or... Or good value, or is it really just a case that the implant, sort of, in terms of the total think, cost of the procedure, sort of doesn't yeah, really right. um, doesn't the, really matter too much? It's yeah, it's not a it's not a price sensitive industry so much as much more it's about patient outcomes, and a lot of that patient outcome is based on lower complication rates. If you have a situation where, you know. The patient doesn't need to come back in, doesn't have an infection, doesn't need to come back in because uh, an implant has become loose. That's a huge saving into the system. And so the the cost of the products, look, the products are cost competitive anyway. I mean, 3D printing provides a very low manufacturing cost anyway. So we actually aren't in a position where we really need to charge a premium um, because our products are more expensive. We charge what the market will bear, and that's gives us a very, very healthy margin on that basis. So, you know, it's it's not a price sensitive market as much as it's a better patient outcome market. Yeah, okay, okay. So so you're competing at the moment with, with things like uh, uh, bone grafts. Uh, I'm not just wondering what you think of sort of emerging uh, stem cell therapies and, and their role in regenerative yeah. medicine. Oh, look, there's, there's a whole lot of different things happening in regenerative medicine, and I think that's just another area where, you know, there's room for everyone to be in the market. Stem cells have an important part in regeneration. Um, the bone healing that, that is um, supported by the osteoporostat gap vault is still stem cell dependent. You have a, a bone stem cell osteoblasts. Um, that are migrating into the, into the scaffold area to generate bone. Bone is inherently a naturally regenerative tissue and so you know providing the scaffold is what we need to enable the bone to grow successfully there are other areas of the bone of the body rather there are other therapies where you know these sort of stem cell technologies are going to be important as well and i think we're seeing a lot of this happening in medicine across the world now that people are increasingly looking at um, new approaches regenerative approaches where you can actually harness the body's own capabilities of, uh, of regeneration and that's really what osteopore is doing we're just all, all about just going look the bones naturally want to regenerate they just need to have the right environment to do that effectively and that's what we're providing yeah okay okay right and in terms of uh, your ASX peers who, who would you rate as as being sort of the the, the closest comparison so is it a, a sort of something like a polynovo with a scaffolding technology or, or, or maybe sort of just a non-health 3d play 
Oh, look, we, we really look at the um, at the health-related regenerative companies that are out there, and we do look at companies like Avita, we look at companies like Mesoblast, we look at companies like Polynovo that are all, you know, these are all billion-dollar companies, and that's where we sort of our aspirational goal is, is that we can see a pathway from where we are today in terms of the revenue streams. As we build that revenue streams, it's really nice to know that, you know, it's good for the company to know that the market is a lot more sophisticated. I think the, the ASX market is becoming much more sophisticated around medical technology generally, and they're seeing the valuations and the value that is created by these new technologies, and they come as you start seeing those revenue streams growing. So we do look at Polynovo, we do look at companies like that and Avita and Mesoblast that are all billion-dollar companies, um, and, us, and our, our goal is to, to be in a position where we're... we're uh, in the same sort of uh, sphere as that. So we see an opportunity as we grow our revenue streams that the companies, that the market rather, will revalue us and re-rate us to be more on a peer with those, on a par with those sort of peers. So, you know, those sort of companies are definitely our aspirational peers. Yeah, okay, great. One one thing I'm noticing your material is uh, you, you refer to veterinary markets. Uh, uh, that's um, a pretty big yep. market, of course, when you Absolutely. start talking about Fido is uh, dodgy yeah, joints and what people are willing to pay on their pets for pay for their yeah. pets. Oh, look, absolutely. And that's another market that, you know, we haven't really even, you know, started to look at how we're going to penetrate that. That's a very much a long-term uh, a long-term goal for us. Um, but it's a huge market. And as you say, whether it's the, you know, the household pets, the, the domestic animals or, you know, other animals like horses and things of that and, and racehorses where, you know, these are animals where, you know, other other alternatives are, um, are are not very attractive. So you know, if we can provide another solution there, then that opens up yet other you know yet more markets for for osteopore. So we certainly see there's a, a massive opportunity in that space. It's um, it's something that we're keen to sort of find the right partners to uh, to work with to get into those sort of markets. Yeah. Okay. In, in the nearer term, I notice you're interested in China. Um, in fact, uh, I think you, you've just uh, gotten to bed with a, a Chinese uh, party. So uh, yeah. Yeah, look, we've just, we've just done a, a, a memorandum of cooperation with uh, one of the hospitals or life centres, um, health life centres in, in Hainan province in southern China. And um, that's really exciting for us because that gives us that sort of foothold into the Chinese market and gives us the opportunity to basically start um, using the product and getting the product into that marketplace and still use that data to then be able to get broader uh, what used to be called the Chinese FDA, and it's changed its name. I can't remember what it is now. But um, that FDA-type approval, we can use that foothold in um, Hainan province to basically get the data that will also give us access to the broader Chinese market. So that's a really important sort of strategic bat, um, beachhead for us of being able to get into that market. And Hainan province is being set up by the Chinese government. They're very excited on basically turning Hainan province into a a, a pilot zone and a place where a lot of these sort of um, medical technologies can can initially get access into the Chinese market. So it's the right place for us to be. Yeah. Okay. Okay. T- terrific. And uh, just just finally, you've got cash of about uh, five million dollars. Um, uh, how long will that see you through to? The company is yeah certainly very well funded. We've got you know we, because we've got revenue. Um, you know, our, our goal is to go out and build those revenue streams as quickly as possible. But with capital behind us and a revenue stream, we're very well funded in terms of being able to go forward and execute the business plan. 
Yeah, okay, okay. And, and revenues at the moment of about one one million. Uh, what uh, what can we expect in uh, say say five years time? Oh, look, in five in five years' time, I'd, I'd hope to see revenues of uh, much, much more than a million dollars. I, I I wouldn't care to hazard a guess as to you know how many, but we'd be talking you know more digits than than one. We'd be looking to build those revenue streams into yeah. You know, we're talking about billion dollar markets. So if we can start getting meaningful penetration into those, um, you know, generating revenues of you know tens of millions of dollars, even hundreds of millions of dollars, is certainly possible. Um, it's just a case of how long it takes us to get there, and how much, uh, yeah, how long it takes us to get there, and and where in the where in the world will those markets be? How much will come out of the US? How much will come out of the European Union? How much will come out of China? How much will come out of other areas? So there's a lot of markets to go, but we'd certainly be keen to sort of be seeing that number, that revenue number growing very significantly over the uh, over the immediate term. Well, it sounds like you've only just begun, so that's uh, that, that, that's great. Um, thank, thanks, Jeff, for your, uh, I was going to say, three-dimensional views on the sector, but, but they're actually multi-dimensional, so um, very uh, informative. So uh, all, all the best. Thanks very much, Tim. It's been a pleasure.